Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. Thank you guys so much for getting that ready for me right at the end. And that wasn't on the... How many of you it's okay to get off script a little bit and do something that... Beautiful. And this, we're going to talk about spring here in just a moment. And a lot of you are coming out of this winter season that you're in. And I ran across this. There are 10 million people, maybe you're one of them, 10 million people in the United States that actually have this condition. It's sad. You say sad? Seasonal affective disorder. That when the seasons change, that there's this depression that comes upon, there's this heaviness, this weight that comes upon you. Now, for most people that live in those northern cold states, and boy, I was just so grateful to get up and see that we're in San Diego today. I turned on the news and they said, this cold front's coming down. I saw my mom and dad right in the middle of it, you know, 20 degrees. I said, ah, I love San Diego, right? There's no sad disease disorder on me. Amen, right? But in those people that live in those northern states, eastern states, they go through it mostly in the winter months where it begins to change. And there's this heaviness that comes upon them until spring comes. But here's here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. Marty Rubin said this way, deep roots never doubt spring will come. And you remember what the winter season was about? It was about going deeper and wider, deeper and wider. And we recognize that when we're in those seasons where we don't feel God and we don't know what God is doing and everything seems cold and everything seems dark and everything seems gloomy, that we're actually growing deeper and wider. We just don't know. it. It's something happening below the soil in our own spirit, in our own heart. God's developing. But we know a spring is coming. Now, before you get so excited about spring, spring's not so easy either. For most people, we like to sing this song, you know, April showers bring May flowers. And for us, it's about flowers and all those pastel colors. And, you know, it's all boom, blooming and busting out. And we go, spring is here. But can I tell you what spring really is? In in the agrarian culture, in those farmer days where Jesus was talking to most people that understood about planting and harvesting, when he would talk to them, they would understand that spring was a lot of work. That, yeah, there's some plants that are springing up and, yeah, there's some things that are going on. But for the farmer that had to go out, what he had to do is he had to toil up the soil. He had to go out there. So what spring is really about, so you don't miss this, I want to say it up front. It's about you opening up your life and saying, God, I want you to come into my heart and into my life. And I want you to toil up the dross. I want you to toil up the hardness. I want you to toil up the things that aren't supposed to be there so that my heart can be moved towards you. And see, so spring spiritually isn't about these blooming flowers. We'll get to that in the fall season where the harvest comes in. But the spring season is about giving access to God and saying, God, I know that, that you desire more for me. And I'm coming out of winter and thank God it's not as cold, but I I want more for my life than what I'm currently experiencing. And thank you for bringing me out of winter. But Lord, I want to get the most out of what you've just planted in me. So I'm going to give you extreme access to my heart and my life. And I'm going to let you toil up the dross and toil up the hardness and toil up the areas that need to be unearthed in my life. Because here's what I know. Every one of you has something that God's trying to unearth in your life. 
the great gardener, you know, God, he's the head of the garden. He's coming by and saying, no, that's a, that's a wheat, that's a tear. That's not supposed to be there. And a lot of times what we do is we hold back and we say, oh, God, but I really like that. And God says, I have something better for you. We have to come to God with a full openness of heart. The Bible says that those that worship me, he goes, here's the, here's the worshipers my father seeks after. I love that verse because there's so many verses that talk about us seeking God. And we should seek God. And when we draw close to God, he clung, draws close to us, you know, seek and knock and ask and all those things. And, and I believe in all that. Let's go after God with all this within us. But when I ran across that passage where Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and he says, do you want to know really how to get God to seek after you? I'm like, yeah, I'm, that's far better. Right? It's far better. Because how I many you know, sometimes when I'm seeking God, especially in the winter months, I'm just, God, where are you? We talked about it. But if I can become the kind of person that God seeks, how I many you know he can find me? Right? He knows where I live. And he says, if you want... The, the kind of worshiper that my father seeks, that he finds, are the ones that worship me in spirit and in truth. The word truth there means to lay everything open before God, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to be completely transparent and say, God, this is what's happening in my world right now, and I know you know it, but I want to be transparent. I want to be honest. And God said, that's all I've been waiting for. Is permission to invade your life. And he seeks after us in those moments. And he begins to unearth and begins to turn the soil over. And he begins to prepare us for the planting of the seed of righteousness that comes into our lives. We've been talking about Ecclesiastes 3.1. There's a season for everything. A time for every event under heaven. And I want to talk to you just a little bit. I'm going to jump around real quick and I want to get you out of here on time. But I want to give you what happens in the spring. Normally it's that soaking of the rain, right? And Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 45 verse 8. He says, the heavens above rain down my righteousness. He uses that term. The heavens above, they rain down my righteousness. And he goes on with this illustration. He said, let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up like in the springtime. And let righteousness flourish with it. For I, the Lord, have created it. So there's a season for everything. There's a spring season where God says, I want to rain down. I want to shower upon you my righteousness. And as you're taking notes, just write this down. Righteousness, just a simple version of understanding it from a biblical perspective, is this. Righteousness is doing the right thing at the right time with the right attitude. And some of you, some of you understand this if you have kids. I want you to take out the trash. I don't want to take out the trash. You better get up off that couch and take out that trash. And they go over there and they grab it out of the... Right? They're doing the right thing at the right time because you told them to, but they don't have the right attitude. That's not righteousness. And before we get on our kids, that's the kind of way we are with God. God said, I want you to go over here and I want you to tell them about my great love. Not me, God. I can't do that. Knowing the Bible full well where Moses did the same thing. Well, I can't go do that. I can't even speak. God says, I've called you to do it. I'll equip you. It'll be okay. I'll be with you. I can't do it. We do the same thing. 
Righteousness is doing the right thing at the right time with the right attitude. And God says, listen, in your spring season, when you give me full access to your life and your heart, I'm going to come in, I'm going to until, I'm going to till up the soil that's found in your life and I'm going to shower you and rain down with you my righteousness. How many of you know we need that? Because here's what the Bible says. Some of you understand it. The rest of you, I'm going to help you. Because <laughs> here's what the Bible says about righteousness. is In your righteousness, it says that, that you cannot stand within your own righteousness. Your righteousness is but filthy rags before the Lord. So even on your best day, you go, God, here I am. Look at all the great things that I did today. And I served the poor and I gave in the offering and I was in church and I worshiped and I went forward. Pastor said to go forward and I went and did this. And I went and did that. God says, what is that? That's like walking into a locker room after a Friday night football game. That's the way my suburban smells. Amen. With our kids playing sports. But what we need is the righteousness of God. Because the Bible tells us that when we, again, open our lives up before him, that what happens is he places a robe of righteousness on us. So now that we can stand in his presence and be made complete in him. So we need the showers of righteousness to keep falling down upon us. And then when we go through these seasons, when we go through this time, we have to determine, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to end with this and it'll be very quick, but we have to determine what kind of soil type our hearts are. Because here's what the Bible talks about, and we'll get there, but the first type of soil that I want to share with you is the, is the clay. If you've ever tried to plant anything in clay, you know it's not worth much. You know it's very hard to get anything to grow in clay. It's very, very hard, especially if it's been out in the sun and it's been baked. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, it says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you, What are you talking about? And why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Are your hearts like clay? Do you not have eyes but fail to see? Do you not have ears but fail to even hear? Proverbs 28, 14 says, blessed is the one who always trembles before the Lord. That's this righteousness. That's understanding his, his holiness. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. And that's what the disciples experienced many, many times over. Jesus would talk to them. He'd say, why are your hearts so hard? Why are your hearts hard? And hardness produces this spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. Isn't that what he said in that passage? Don't you have eyes, but you fail to see? Don't you have ears, but you fail to hear? And for some of you, you're coming out of a wilderness and you're like, but I still don't know what God's saying. And that's why some of you can come to church and the word of God can be proclaimed. And you walk out and you say, I don't know, I didn't get much out of that. Because maybe your hearts are like clay. And God's trying to sow the seed. The word of God is the seed in scripture upon your heart, but it falls there. And then these birds come by and they pluck it up and they go away. And it doesn't take root in your life because you haven't recognized that I'm, I need to put myself in this spring season where I say, Lord, here I am. Open my heart, do whatever you want in me, do it through whoever you want to do it through me. Every Sunday night I lay in bed. I say, God, if you use me in any capacity, I want to just say, thank you first and foremost. 
But Lord, I also want to acknowledge that you spoke through a donkey in scripture. I say it every Sunday night. So that doesn't make me anything special. If you spoke through me today, it's my just way of just keeping my heart humble. You have to receive God's message through whoever God places in your life. And when you, in those moments, you have to say, okay, God, that's you speaking. And I don't want to have a hard heart that is spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. I want to be able to have a heart that receives what you have. The second soil is sandy soil. It's good for growing some things, but it doesn't stay together well. And it isn't filled with very many nutrients. In fact, it's easy to come along a plant that's planted in, 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 in sand and just pull it right out of the ground, isn't it? And that's what the enemy does. The seed of God, the word of God is sown upon your heart, the parable of the sower, and you receive it and you get excited and you're like, I'm going to walk in victory. God is doing something. We felt his power at work in the service. It's been amazing. And you walk out and you don't even get to your car and you're already chewing out your wife or your spouse or your kids. I got too close, didn't I, to you, right? Got to meddling, right? Not, not preaching. And we let the enemy come right in and pull that up right out of our heart. Your soil's not right. It's the sandy soil. Or maybe there's the loamy soil or the good soil. Consistently attentive and accepting of heart. And once you determine what soil you are and you begin to change your mindset to be able to be receptive... In agriculture society, you've got to what they call amend the soil. Amending is this. You've got to enrich it or improve it or make it fertile. They go and they spray things on there. They put, yeah, manure or whatever, you know, on there. They fertilize it to make it, to give it the nutrients it needs so that it can spring a crop, right? So the crop can grow. How do you do that? How do you amend your soil? Let me give you five quick things. The first one is, is you need to take responsibility for keeping your heart fertile. It doesn't matter what season you're in. Can I tell you, it is your responsibility to guard your heart. The Bible says above all else, guard your heart. Listen, he says out of all 66 books of the Bible and everything that's in here above everything else, you better guard your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. If you want purity and holiness and righteousness and good things and blessing and encouragement to flow out of your life, then you better guard your heart. You're the one that's responsible for your heart. You are. And what happens is when we get that spiritual deafness and we get that spiritual blindness on and our heart begins to get like clay and it begins to become hardened, what happens is we start blaming God. Well, God didn't show up. Well, God didn't do this miracle. Well, God's not speaking to me right now. Well, I don't know what God's doing. And we begin, I don't even know if God works in my life. Come on. There's all kinds of scripture, you know, references to this and where it happens, right? The nation of Israel, right? We'll just go back and we'll be slaves. For they were, God called them a stiff-necked people. They were, hearts were hard towards them. They're like, you know what? We would rather just go back and be in bondage than be set free. Really? And how many Christians do the same thing? I would just rather go back to my old lifestyle, my old friends, my old way of living, even though it led to complete destruction in your life. Not knowing that it was you that made your heart hard and not receptive. Come on, what I'm asking you to do this morning is take responsibility for your own heart. Say, God, I want you to plant whatever you want in my life. I'm going to be open to whatever you have for me. 
Yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, you're going to toil some things out. Yes, you're going to work on me. And I'm giving you permission to do that because I want to be made in your image. I want to fulfill everything that you have for me. Secondly, you need to repent of anything that has dimmed your love for God. Anything. It could be a TV program. It could be a relationship. It could be a job that you've made an idol and you're working towards. And there's nothing wrong with work. Come on. But if anything has dimmed your love for God, then you need to repent of that and say, God, please forgive me. I want to have a pure heart before you. Thirdly is remove any of the distractions. Look, I love these electronic devices. I'm a tech geek. I really am. But I have learned that I have to turn off notifications when I'm using my Bible app. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because about the time you start praying and getting really serious with God, it'll go blah, bling, blah, bling, blah, bling, blah, bling. And then, oh, that's my wife. I got to answer that one. Right? And all of a sudden you're not praying and you're not meditating. You're not in the word. It's a distraction. And if you just need to turn it off, then turn it off, whatever. But remove the distractions in your life so your heart can be fertile before the Lord. Fourthly, resist the enemy and you're going to have to. There is a roaring lion, the Bible says, looking to whom he made a vower. His job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Make no mistake about it. He will try to do that. And you're going to have to resist the devil. Here's the good news. The Bible says when you resist the devil, he'll flee. The Bible says when you resist the devil and you turn, meaning you go in a completely different direction, the enemy flees you. He leaves you alone because guess why? Greater is he that's in us. First John 4, 4, than he that is in this world. I'm a victor, not just in the next life. I'm a victor in this life. I'm an overcomer and I'm, an over, and I'm a conqueror right here and right now. Amen. God is working in my life. I don't have to wait till heaven. Come on, somebody. But you're going to have to resist the devil another or he's going to pull you down and he's going to get you a place where you're not going to be able to see the blessing God. And number five, you need to rejoice in the Lord. See, springtime, while he's working on you and tilling that soil and flipping it over and and he's touching you and saying, get this out of your life. And you're saying, God, this hurts. Why'd you put me in this relationship? Why'd you put me in this situation? Why'd you give me this job? Because I'm building something in you. God, I don't know if I can do this. Can I tell you the best thing to do when you're in those moments? Get alone with God. Make sure you're in church, but make sure, you know, but every time that you get an opportunity, lift your hands up and worship God. There is power in praise, church. There is power in praise. There's a reason why. There's a reason why, Joshua, you're going to be a man of battle. You're going to be a mighty warrior. You're going to take nations. You're going to, you're going to go in and you're going to take over people. And he's like, yes. And he strapped on all the military stuff and he was ready to go. He said, but the very first battle belongs to me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, when you get to Jericho, you're not going to need the sword and you're not going to be the breastplates and you're not going to, you don't know. When you get there, you just march around the city, just worshiping me. Now, I can imagine him trying to tell 2.3 million people, here's what we're going to do. We're going to destroy this city by walking around it and just worshiping God and singing praise to God. And they're going, isn't this a fortified city? Yeah. Aren't they on the ledges? Yeah. Aren't they going to rain down stuff upon us? Well, they might, but it's going to be okay because God said he was with us. Let's go. 
And I can just imagine people go, well, you go first. Right? I mean, you go. And he's like, okay, I'll go. Aaron, come on, you're going with me. Let's go. And they turn around and Aaron's like, well, if I'm going, then my family's coming. But the family's coming, then all the Levites, you got to come. Right? And, it, and finally, the guy in the back, he's going, he's like, I'll follow up the back. I'll make sure everybody gets there. And they go around one time and nothing happens. And early the next morning, they rise up and he goes, I, got, I heard from God. This is what we're going to do. We're going to march around the city one more time and we're just going to worship God. Why are we doing that? Because God said so. Well, nothing happened yesterday. By the way, just because God speaks to you today doesn't mean it's going to happen today. Come on, somebody. And so they get up and they go around the city the second day. And you know the story, the third day and the fourth day. And I bet by the sixth day, there's a lot of people going, I'm not going today. My, my feet are tired. You know, my sandals are wearing out. These Air Jordans didn't last as long as they said they would. And I'm tired and I'm cranky and I got a baby I got to carry the whole time. He's like, you know, I bet. He's like, no, no, we all have to do it. In fact, here's what God told me is on the seventh day, we're going to march around this thing seven times. What? And I suppose tomorrow we'll have to do eight days. I mean, that's how people are. You know that's going on. But what were they doing? Seven times, seven days, marching around there, praising God. And then all of a sudden the ground began to shake. And I think all those people that were murmuring and grumbling and complaining, they go, do you feel that? I feel that. What's going on? I don't know. I think it's an earthquake. What's an earthquake? <laughs> and that thing begins to shake even more violently and they begin to try to brace themselves and maybe they even fall down. And all of a sudden the walls get swallowed up into the grounds. That's the power of praise. That's the power of praise. And so when, when, when you're going through this tilling time, when God is working on you, now he's re you know, he's reengaged. It's not winter. He's reengaged. You know, he's working, but it's not always easy because he's telling you, I want you to give up that friend, or I want you to give this up for me, or I don't want you to watch so much TV, or I want you to get a new job, or I want to start you over in a different place, or I want you to change your personality in this way, or I want to take this out of your lifestyle because I'm preparing you for something better. And he's pulling that out of you like a weed coming out of the ground. And you're feeling that being ripped out of your heart. And you just go, okay, God, you are God and I love you and I worship you. And there's none like you. I trust you. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. And it's hard to do that. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm just saying, turn on what your favorite song is and let it go, huh? And sit there until it speaks to you. Until it speaks to you. Many Christians, I think, are suffering from malnutrition of spirit. And they need to have a spring season in their life where... They're being enriched and they're preparing themselves for growth. Three quick things and we're done. How do you embrace the grace of spring? Well, number one, you allow the master gardener to access your heart. I've already said it, but God's the master gardener. God come in and do this in my life. And then number two, be sensitive to his work for he will show you and he will show us how to remove the weeds and the thorns. Here's what I know. 
There's not one person in this room that doesn't have some weeds and thorns in your life. There's some things that you do or that you think about or are going on in your life or in the private moments of your life or late at night that you don't want anybody else to know. But God knows. And see, what he does is he is put us in a progressive state of sanctification to where he is working on us to make us into the image and the likeness of his son, Jesus. And I'm so grateful he doesn't overwhelm us. I'm so grateful for the day that we give our life to Christ. He doesn't come in and go, there's a million things we're going to work on in your life. Because I would be like, I can't do it. I'm just, you know, I'm done. I quit, right? I, I can't do that. I'm so grateful God just comes alongside and says, hey, how about we focus on this right now? And I love it when we get through that springtime and we get to where we start seeing some positive things happen. And we go, gosh, I'm doing good. I got rid of that in my life. And God says, tap you on the shoulder. We're going to get rid of some other things now. Right? See, it's just one weed, one thorn, one thicket at a time. And every one of us have got him and we're all being made in the image of his son, Jesus. And that's why we got to make ourselves available. And then number three, I need you to understand this before we leave. It takes time to repair a depleted soil. It takes time to repair a depleted soil. The goal of spring is to fall deeply in love with God Amen. and to draw closer to him. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. But the goal of spring is to fall deeply in love with God and to draw closer to him. It's a time where we get new life and new energy. It's a time where we are seeing resurrection from death to life. And it's an important season in our life. There's a season for everything and a time for every event under heaven. And maybe that's the season that you are in. And I leave you with this verse and then we'll pray and be done. But in Psalm 127 verse two, it says this, and some of you are right here right now. So listen, in vain, you rise up early and you stay up late toiling for food to eat. You get up an extra hour early. You stay late at work. You work into the night. You bring work home and you work, work, work. And you're toiling and toiling and toiling. And you're giving yourself. And basically what he's saying, you're doing everything in your own strength. And he says, but it is the Lord who grants sleep to those he loves. Hebrews chapter four talks about a perfect rest that we're able to enter into. Unless the Lord build it, they that labor in vain, labor in vain, unless the Lord build it, right? It's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it in my own strength. That's what spring says, that I'm tired of doing it in myself. I'm tired of toiling in my own strength. I'm tired of trying to force the doors open. I'm going to let God work in my life knowing that he is going before me and he's making a way. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. And so I just want to pray for you that are in this spring season, because again, coming out of winter, it's hard. And you think spring is here and spring's that toiling time, ripping out of the weeds, 
preparing the soil, and you feel that's happening in your life. God's working. He's there, but it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. And so I want to pray for you this morning before we leave. Would you bow your heads with me, Father? For every person that's in this room, everyone that's going through that season, God, of of replenishing, of renewal, where you're where you're coming through like a plow when you're ripping up the soil and you're turning it over and you're preparing it to be receptive to your word and to your purposes. I pray, God, that your, your presence would fall upon them even this moment. You're trying to do such a deep work, God, in them that, that literally you're going to restore their joy for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And all of us need to go through this season, oh God, so that we can become closer and made better into the image of your son, Jesus. So Lord, we declare right now in this moment, we declare, God, that you have free reign over our hearts and our lives. We open ourselves up to you. Have your way in us. So God, that we can please you in all that we do. Now, as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, you're here. Maybe you don't hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at faithchapelst. We hope to see you real soon.